Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man, one father-son minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Nick Jimenez, featuring Josie Scott. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because uh, the track, the iconic track Hero uh, on this film's soundtrack <laughs> is um, by Chad Kroger, featuring Josie Scott. But Thank this you. is like a multi-layered joke because oh, this boy. is a reference to your nickname on Back to the Future Minute. Yeah, no, it's layered. It has layers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. la- I just love the idea that someone <laughs> listening to this who didn't listen to Back to the Future is just like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> like he was really working hard for that little pun there. Uh, that's lovely. Yeah. I love that. Uh, today, <laughs> well, today, if we, do, uh, well, if we do, when we get to Spider-Man Two, I'll be Nick Jimenez confessional. Perfect. Uh, well, God. welcome, welcome to the show, Nick. Uh, Thanks for it being seemed, here. It seems suiting that you would be our first guest. Yeah, yeah. yeah this feels right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you notice that you say "Welcome back, to Spider-Man Minute," but you say "Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute"? Uh, yeah, that's that's on purpose. I think I like I like welcome back. It's punchy. Yeah, but you can't <laughs> say welcome back to back to oh, the future minute. Oh, that's why I don't see? do it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. the professional. And like a year from now, we'll also get the double dose of the uh he's back headline with the welcome back. We're right. back. <laughs> that should be like a promo yeah. art is like they're back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect. Put yeah. that in the ideas journal, guys. All right. <laughs> All okay, right. Okay, well, okay. today <laughs> we are talking about minute six, which starts with Peter realizing that MJ isn't waving at him, but in fact, her friends behind him and <laughs> ends with Norman Osborn saying, you know, so so my my initial question. OK, well, number one. How many times in your life have you been the subject of what's happening to Peter here? Oh, God. literally hundreds, dozens. Yeah, yeah sure. like yeah. I used to live here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was oh oh it, it in my in my gut of guts, my heart of hearts, I can still feel it. And like earlier earlier today, I was talking about this minute with my girlfriend, like in preparation, and I was like, "How often has that happened to you?" And she's like, "Never." I was like, what do you mean never? She's like, I, you, you've never like thought somebody was uh, was waving to you. You like you raise up your hand and you thought she's like, no, I would never assume they were <laughs> not talking to me. 
like like she didn't elevate herself to that like level of involvement yet so it just never happened the assumption never came into her mind (laughs) so i don't know if anyone else i do i especially back in back when i was like in a school setting but Mm -hmm. i i used to assume all the time that people weren't talking to me when they were oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and and there's that long pause and they're like no no me yeah 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 uh Awful. Even when they're like Nick, I'm like, there's got to be another Nick. They're not talking to me. I don't know. Who, I don't know why. It's like that bit in the Father of the Bride, like after he's like, or I guess it's the Father of the Bride Part Two, but he, uh, Steve it's Martin, all one gets like story. a makeover. Yeah, it's all one big story. He gives like a makeover, and he's like in his like cool hot rod at the at the stoplight, and like a lady pulls up next to him, is like making eyes at him, and he takes enough time because he's Steve Martin to like look past himself to the the hedge on the other side of the car, like, oh, is she looking at. Somebody over here mm-hmm. in the greenery behind me or something like that. I'm not you sure see, why that's my main reference for that. I this, I yeah. I still remember, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme this week, guys. But uh-huh. I I this I haven't seen this movie in years. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't watch it to prepare for the show because I feel like that would be off brand for me, and also. <laughs> And also yeah. because I really, I really don't feel like I, I watching just this minute, I immediately, it w- it was, it was like going into an old friend's house or like an old classroom. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, oh, I used to watch this movie a lot. And I still remember the day that I saw this with my, my older brother, mm-hmm. uh, I can still remember the audience reacting to this, this joke. What I love about Oof. this movie is it's just it's 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 such a it's such a crowd pleaser mm-hmm. oh yeah it like absolutely it, it wants the audience to have a ball and, <laughs> absolutely. and so and i just so i just love this little moment because it's so it's so like fun but it's also kind of goofy and it's like it's kind of obvious but it's and it's broad but it's played so earnest it's this movie in a nutshell i think it works because it's played yeah. so earnestly absolutely played so earnestly and universally yeah. yeah, like we've all Absolutely. been there. Like we've all, even if we're like Kendall Jenner, you know, right. like we, we've all felt like this. You know? Yeah, the mm-hmm. one time where she was at some event and somebody was waving to Taylor Swift and not her, you know, like it, yeah. it, 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 no, no matter where you are in the spectrum of like confidence or fame or whatever, you've had a moment where you felt this small. That yeah, we like, felt, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I think, I think this movie's earnestness is actually the reason why a lot of things with the plot, like a lot of plot details in the movie that shouldn't work, work fine because yeah. mm. like the movie just believes itself so much that you're yes. just like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just got done having a, uh, a production meeting with some friends that, you know, we're working on like an independent film, hopefully in the summer. And, and I get, I'm uh, so obnoxious. I'm about to quote myself, but like Go for one, a, a note that I gave, and it kind of made me think about this watching this movie is like, you know, if you film the movie a certain way, if you kind of because I thought I thought the dialogue and whatever was kind of arch and a little broad. And mm-hmm. I was like, if you film this like it's a Sam, I, I, I name drop drag me to hell. Actually, I was like, if you hmm. shoot this kind of arch and broad, it might complement the dialogue better than if you try to shoot it like a Ty West movie, because then that might really accentuate how kind of comic booky the dialogue is. Right. Yes. Right. And right. and it kind of reminds you a lot of this movie, like because yeah, maybe the screenplay, if you were just reading it, it's a little hokey, it's a little '90s 
because it's still 2002. Mm -hmm. But Raimi just shoots it and the actors are just completely on board with what he's going for. Yeah. And just, mm -hmm. I think that's it. I think the tone of this movie is just so confident and consistent that you you trust it even when it gets a little goofy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That Absolutely. not grounded in like the way people like to say grounded where they're like, oh, this is like gritty and like grounded, but grounded in the way that like our heart is in this one pure place and we're really committed to that. And that will keep you grounded as we get to the weirder parts or the stranger, the things that like might not track like like the clock and back to the future uh, when mm -hmm. um, wh why would the timer on the dashboard be the same? It doesn't matter because you're caught up in the tone, you know, the same right. like things like that in this movie, you just skate right past whistle past right. them and it feels yeah. appropriate yeah because perfect I, example perfect example is like right now my biggest question is <laughs> what what what's the deal with the transportation situation to this field trip because oh, yeah. there was a no school sense. bus and then there's all these other people that are just like showing up like separately like yeah. where 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 did mj's friends come from that she feels the need to wave at them yeah like they must not have been on the bus with her but like they were on a separate one yeah I I yeah, I always assume, watching yeah. this movie, I always assume, because I remember thinking about that a little bit mm -hmm. and being like, well, maybe it's just because that's what New York is like. Yes, like, that was my thought. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe well that's York what that's what this New York is like. And that's my whole point. Oh, right. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that like the earnestness of this movie just sells you on all of these dumb details that you're just like, I, I don't know if all of this checks out, but the movie seems really confident about it. So I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like and it then the audience, I feel like not enough writers or 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 just just filmmakers in general really believe that is that the audience will roll with it you know yeah yeah like it, it doesn't need to be any one thing as long as you or as long as the filmmakers are super no we're doing because like this movie is uh in a way it's i don't even know if you can do a superhero movie like this anymore because this is yeah. back when the audience or the filmmakers kind of had to be like hey it's a comic book you know, mm -hmm. comic books, they're dumb. They're for kids, but we can, we can make it fun though. And, yeah. you know, and cause like people in the actors in this film are kind of in a comic book world. Right. Es especially, yeah, especially like Defoe and Maguire. Talking a lot about that. Yeah. Like how do you, um, how do you bring that, the sensibilities of the comic, which are at least in the introduction of Spider-Man, so rooted in this like old school, slightly hokey 1960s, like, oh, gee whiz, Willikers energy yeah. with setting it in present day and there's something about like the tone that Raimi chose that just straddles it well and then we can just mm -hmm. sit in there it, it, it I don't I don't know it's and I it's I unique. like it yeah. because it's you know there were two superhero franchises going on at this mm. point and they were polar opposites of each other and I really mm -hmm. like that oh, yeah. um arguably I guess you could say there were three because there was Blade 2 but it was mostly mm -hmm. just Spider-Man and X-Men and yeah. X-Men was that grounded gritty version where it's just right. like this is the real world yeah. and this is what it would really be yeah. like if these the guys were too, around the not too distant future, too distant Scott. future. right yeah. yeah and then this is like we're living in a fantasy world where a guy shoots webs out of his wrists it's fine yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean the, the first scene of x-men is the holocaust right <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly yeah. like and the first scene these of this two movie... things these two these two movies couldn't or these two franchises couldn't be more different from each other but they're mm -hmm. both sort of coming from the same place where audiences yeah. had never seen 
movies like this before. Yeah. And it was, I remember the hype it, I still remember and will always kind of like 5% resent my parents. I love my parents, but of course, for some reason I couldn't see this movie opening weekend and I had to see it like on a Monday. Mm. Like my brother took me as a treat on a Monday. And I remember that weekend knowing that I haven't seen Spider-Man was like agonizing. Knowing that Spider-Man as a movie exists and all other people are seeing it everywhere and you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. would um, that would have done a number on me, <laughs> just to say the least. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of rolling with it. Yeah. Um, the, the Rolls Royce shows up. Yes. And uh and inside um is uh our introduction to Harry and Norman Osborne. Yes. Which and is um great. Harry yeah. uh what 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 strikes me right away. So so first of all, um and I didn't do this with Peter and MJ because uh as we discussed, MJ is kind of not really she's like an amalgamation of a lot of different yeah. characters from the comics. She's Named MJ and has red hair, but that's really the only thing. Yeah. Um, and, and but but here, so th- so I didn't really talk about like you know when her first appearance was and everything like that. But with uh-huh. Harry Osborn, uh, Harry's first appearance was Amazing Spider-Man issue thirty-one, which uh-huh. was December of nineteen sixty-five. One of um one of Steve Ditko's final issues. Uh, yeah. of of uh, Spider-Man. I believe his last issue was 34. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, the, he was one of the last uh, characters. Um, Harry and Gwen Stacy were like the two like last ongoing characters that Ditko created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because um, this is right, right, right after this is when Romita picks everything up and, and right. sort of, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Norman, Norman is more, Norman is more complicated, but I'll get into that in tomorrow's minute. Uh, mm-hmm. So not to overload this minute, but, uh, <laughs> but one thing that strikes me about what they did with Harry and Norman in this movie is that when you look at um, specifically the Romita design for Harry and Norman, uh, which mm. then became so iconic that it continued to be a thing in just about every iteration of these characters is that they you knew that they were father and son because they both had matching horizontal cornrows. <laughs> yeah. Like and that huge weird, widow peaks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. weird hair design. And what I they like look, about, they look almost identical to each other in the Yeah. Comics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One one is just, you know, Harry is just much more slender than Norman and obviously younger. But like yeah. otherwise, they basically you're right. They basically look identical mm-hmm. and they both have like red hair. So it's not enough that they have horizontal cornrows. They also are gingers. It's a mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, I, would, I would I would pay maybe twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> for like a scene of present day Willem Dafoe braiding present day James Franco's hair as, <laughs> as the Osbournes are getting ready for school. Oh my God. <laughs> you mustn't let them disrespect you, Harry. It makes you look weak. Well, what what I think is right, going Dan. on here is that I think what they've done is interpreted the cornrows 
uh, which are obviously not cornrows because that's absurd, but they're <laughs> no. drawn yeah. to look like cornrows. And I yeah. think what they've done is interpreted the cornrows as like hair waves. And so they slick yeah. back their hair and their hair is like sort of wavy. Yeah. And they do have the same hairstyle. They we look do. good together. Yeah. They've always yeah. they always mm-hmm. they've always felt like a father and son in these movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it, not just the the physical resemblance, but like the the way they carry themselves together. Like they have not I mean, we talked about chemistry last week, but a different type of actor chemistry, obviously, that the relationship feels real. You know, they yeah. 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 It, yeah. You look I at mean, that opening shot and you're like, Oh yeah, that's a dad and his kid. Like yeah. no extra I mean, but but it's but in a realistic way, like one of the things that I I really don't like in in movies is when they cast the the father son or mother daughter so well that they basically look it looks like the daughter or son is a clone of the father. Right. Um, uh, like right. it's just, oh, you, you could have played him young in flashbacks like and it would have been believable. <laughs> um, I, what I like about this is that they have sort of a similar kind of like brow yeah um but everything else is different which you presume like oh yeah so he got other features from his mom because that's how yeah some sort of biology and dna works yeah Yeah. very pretty model wife type uh mother Uh, right yeah yeah um but 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 at least at very least they they kept like the basic structure you know like the bone structure underneath you're like oh yeah they look like a family you know it's not there's nothing um too egregious which a lot of people will do things like hair color and whatnot in, in movies like i was just a lot of things come back to things i catch while my girlfriend is watching something on the tv while i'm like reading a book or something but she was watching some like nicholas sparks movie where they had a mom uh who was very clearly wearing the worst wig i've ever seen in a movie it was daryl hannah just because her son had dark hair and they were mm-hmm. like oh we got to make sure daryl hannah has like dark hair in this and i guess she had some other movie she was doing at the same time but they put this hideous wig on her face on her face that didn't match her at all in any way i'm like this doesn't look like a real person anymore but it was in service of make sure they resemble each other and it's it's not that that makes you buy a resemblance to somebody right. it's you know the their eyes have a similar sadness to them or a walk or, to remember you know oh thank you yeah that was it a walk to <laughs> a walk to remember with mandy moore uh is what is that film in case that you're interested in looking up uh appendices to these uh episodes of spider-man minute um <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah it's a nice it's a nice touch of casting and they're both great in this um i do it, admire it, it, that yeah, like the the second that car pulls up the, the second you see franco's harry he's already looking he already looks like he's about to cry uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. his eyes are he's welled up great with time. tears yeah. yeah he's uncomfortable uh to to be to be sure um he's, I he's to, he, yeah, he doesn't he's not uh you know he's concerned about rich shaming um, yeah i just which, watched yeah. an episode of gilmore girls last night where lorelei got rich shamed how did that yeah pan out for her yeah it was like the, it was yeah. a graduation episode right yeah Mac- no it's oh. seth mcfarland yeah i remember yeah, hey, that a big episode. dumb rich idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly rich shaming that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. interesting yeah so yeah so he's like afraid of rich shaming and on the verge of tears poor harry <laughs> poor harry yeah uh, but i'm not just in the like you know uh jokingly poor harry but also poor harry to a certain degree you kind of get from his when he leaps out of the car and he's like peter like peter's his lifeline right there you kind of get the sense that like harry clearly doesn't have any other friends 
you know, he Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. wondering what his relationship is with the other students. Like and how long has he been at Midtown High at this point? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, we're we... not we're not sure how because Peter and Harry seem to be pretty good friends. Yeah. Uh, and and so I can't imagine I mean he has to have been there for like what, six months? Yeah. At least. Right? Yeah. I bet. I don't know. I'm picking. I'm. I'm really in my. I'm. And I'm just doing fanfic now. But sure. Yeah. I'm. It's definitely. I'm picturing him like maybe he saved Pete from like some bullies once. You know. Mm-hmm. Or like. Oh. Or like yeah. maybe because like well, I love this friendship because it's like one of those friendships that don't survive in high school, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But you know when it's like oh right. you two did not know about social status and clicks when you guys were like eight and friends. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and then um, it's like, you can clearly see one sort of grew up into like an attractive kind of cool kid. And the other just grew uh-huh. up into like a, a walking like vanilla yogurt. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit of awkwardness. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I had friends like this growing up, like, well, I, I did a lot of moving when I was younger, and I remember very clearly one friend that I had in elementary school where we were just like peas in a pod, talking about superheroes and nonsense and watching Tremors a bunch, and, you know, that we'd play, like, the floor is lava, but it's sandworms out on the um, on the playground and whatnot. Like, I have a lot of clear memories of being super close to this kid, and then I moved away uh, a few times to different middle schools and, uh, and elementary schools, and I finally came back to the same high school area when I was like doing my the end of my high school um, career and mm-hmm. I ran into him at at an event and it was that that same feeling of like, oh, my my good old friend. And I could immediately feel there is a chasm here in experience that I did not realize because he went to like the fancier high school in that area. And I went to like the, um, you know, the public school for the, you know, with kids in the area. And sure. I, what he was going through was vastly different than what I was going through. Um, but we still, you still Future have Future listeners might not of... know what public schools are anymore, but they were uh, provided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. What month is this now? May, uh, late yeah. May. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, tell us about uh, Franco getting cast as Harry. Yeah, sure. Franco uh, being cast as Harry. So uh, like is often... Uh, a, a common refrain in casting, which might not make too much sense unless you've actually ran a casting session, uh, but it, it is bringing an, uh, an actor in to read for one role and realizing they're much better in another one, and then they end up with mm-hmm. that that second role. A, a lot of people kind of think that, like, oh, when we're casting actors for a movie, you'll cast a wide net and you'll only pick, you know, the the MJs from this pool and the Betty Brants from the other pool, but often it's you are reading people for one role and they're a good actor, but they're not right for that part. And rather than being like, well, we'll get them next time. You're like, Oh, let's just read them for the other thing. So, uh, James Franco's path to being in Spider-Man happened. Like a lot of, you know, young uh, brownish haired men at that time is that he auditioned for Peter Parker originally. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, people and like, and and to be fair, like it seems like such a bizarre, idea like james franco as peter parker like in retrospect but sure i mean if you look at him Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean you know and like you cut his you cut his hair differently and you give him glasses yeah like i could i get it like yeah if you do the abercrombieism approach that we were talking to talking about in previous episodes like this is the sort of choice 
that like a studio might more be likely to be like, oh, who are we gonna have play Peter Parker? Right. Maybe it's that James Franco kid, you know? Yeah, maybe yeah, that Freaks Bentley. and Geeks guy. Yeah, what had yeah, he done? Yeah. I mean, like he, yeah, it was Freaks and Geeks and like that James Dean movie, right? The James Dean was right before this. This was like okay. the the key thing. So where he was getting a little bit of attention and he was still in the thick of that. And it was like my favorite story about his casting relates directly back to that. And so, I mean, it's I've been trying to track down this book by this guy David Hughes uh, about comic book movies that has supposed to have more information about the casting of this movie because a lot of stuff online is hearsay, but People generally say that, like, for Spider-Man, there were um, a, a shortish list that the studio liked, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Edward Furlong, Freddie Pence Jr., uh, Heath Ledger, uh, and Tobey Maguire was sort of an off off to the side choice. God, the 2000s yeah. sucked. You know what? Know, you know right? what makes yeah. me really sad about the Freddie Prince Jr. thing is sure. I remember Sam Raimi. Say, stating outright that he would rather die before casting Freddie Prince Jr. is <laughs> any role in Spider-Man. And I was just, and I'm just like, I think back to that time and I'm like, did people hate that guy that much? Cause well, like it would be I've like, always, I've always liked him. Yeah. And, and, and now like he just uh, like, he's on star Wars rebels and like, yeah. I, I I don't I don't I think, understand. I, I, that. I think at the time it was kind of like uh, imagine if Harry Styles was in the running to be Spider Man in Civil War. He was like a teen oh, heartthrob, and yeah, and those are and yeah. those guys are always like savaged by people that aren't fans. Unfairly, yeah. Un it's yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, think about DiCaprio. I don't think it was until Catch Me If You Can that straight men were ready to be like, okay, DiCaprio's cool now. He's, he's not had right. to do a lot of penance. Yeah, yeah. That, he's not like, just we, the Titanic guy. Yeah, because it's like that classic pop culture thing is if your audience is mostly young females, you 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 must be not of merit. Right. right. I guess right. that's true. Exactly. Um, but uh, at this point, Franco actually got pretty far and he um, he did a screen test for Spider-Man. Um, mm -hmm. Also, Scott Speedman did one and uh, Jay Ooh. Rodan, who I don't know who that is, but, you know, Scott Speedman from the underworld, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, from Felicity. From Felicity, sure. Right. Uh, that's that's what he would have been from at the time. I'm Wasn't slowly he? learning uh, that the the bank of references that I will uh, immediately go to are slightly different than the uh, Scott uh, references that uh, he and. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, yeah. I was I was a fully grown person when this came out and had True. been for yeah. a while. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I yeah I remember Speedman as uh, as his character <laughs> as from Felicity, from Felicity. That, and, and that's what he would have been known from when he. He was up for the role. Wasn't got, he yeah. also Aragorn for a little bit? For like a he... hot sec. Yeah. Uh, or no, wasn't wasn't that the guy from um uh Queen of the Damned that was originally Aragorn for a sec? Maybe. Oh, man. See, I remember I... it was like a vampire guy. Uh somebody will check the recess of their memories here. Aragorn original casting. Um, but at any rate, uh he did the the screen test for Spider-Man and Raimi liked him a lot better for um Harry Osborn, and that's how he eventually got the role. Uh, what I like about this scene and with uh, the two of them together in the car is it, it gives this, it's a great example of this thing that James Franco talked about with this role. And I, I genuinely think he's great in these movies. I think this yes. is one of my favorite uh, Franco roles. I'm just gonna say that straight up at the beginning. And I know in our sort of current pop culture landscape, it's a, it's a bit more like, hokey to be like oh yeah james franco great great actor you know that he's a little bit more of a punchline in when he's not a producer role but every once in a while he has a role that works just great for him and i think this one works specifically well so all right to get back to the james dean thing 
he had just finished doing this um, TNT like uh, movie, like movie on TV thing about James Dean. And obviously <laughs> the reason he was cast in it is because he looks an awful lot like James Dean did when he was younger. But yeah. during during making that movie, he <laughs> well, tried. OK, yeah, but to yeah. be fair, James yeah. Dean was always only young. Like he only that. ever got yeah. to be one. He thing. Only, yeah, he was only I, ever I suppose young. I should clarify. I mean, when James Franco was young, he looked an awful lot like James Dean. Because he's what? Three movies. I know now he kind of looks like yeah. a like a grinning beanbag. But back in the day, he was a glamorous, glamorous, yeah. uh, glamorous man. And yeah. uh, but to to Franco's credit, when he was doing that, because the James Dean story, uh, or I guess the film was just called James Dean, is a lot about learning about acting and the the difficult process of being an actor and different re- researching different techniques and all that. And Franco like did a lot of research into the experiences James Dean went through. And one of the things that he keyed into was this neglect by his father. So just getting off of James Dean, the movie, Franco had spent months being in this space of trying his best to live up to some sort of grand actor tradition and this like huge screen presence and wondering if he could live up to it. And then he said in an interview that he decided to use some of those same things for Harry Osborne in terms of James Dean struggled a lot with being rejected by his father and uh, that this admiration that Harry has for Norman Osborne and to sort of have to put him up on this pedestal that he can't live up to. He tried to transfer directly from those experiences he just had on that film and to have Willem Dafoe in the other role. He just said, well, I just, tried to take on the admiration Harry has to project that onto Willem. I already respected Willem as an actor, but I tried to add a shade of the admiring son, you know, letting my respect for Willem flow. It's not like I was kissing his feet or something, but just when we were in scenes together and he's Norman Osborn giving me the cold shoulder, it was easy to feel hurt because of the feelings of respect and admiration yeah. I'd already had. Right. And you feel yeah. that. I mean, yeah. like these moments are, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't want to talk about it because we're so far away from there. Sure. But yeah. to me, the 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 fruits of of that work really show in the uh, the Thanksgiving scenes. Oh yes, oh, which, yeah, I, which I think are just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's um, yeah, and we get yeah, like, a bit of it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so quick, it's so small, but you already feel the vault, the depths of their relationship. And I guess this is this is why you hire like great actors to do these these films because they're able yeah. to add emotional authenticity to stuff like this. There's a really great line uh, that I've never, I guess I've never really, I, I, I don't know, like comprehended the layers that are going on with the line. But the line mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, Harry Harry's asking the driver to like pull around the corner and Norm, Norman's like, why? Why, why are you ashamed of being rich? Yeah. And, and he tells Harry, never be ashamed of who you are. And he's talking about, being an Osborne. But what's yeah. interesting about that moment is that like Harry isn't ashamed of being an Osborne. He's ashamed of being Harry Osborne. Yeah. And, and that he's been kicked out of all these private schools that he's not a good enough Osborne. He's ashamed of himself for being him. And his father is saying, don't be ashamed of being an Osborne. Like it's just yeah. adds just another layer to him just being like, ah, I'm trying so hard, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not good at being an Osborne. Yeah. Like I'm it's not also it's also eerily prophetic considering the fates of both of these characters. Exactly. Oh, sure. Yeah. Exactly. That, he, it's he, such an yeah. efficient scene in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I oh it's great. I just love that he is genuinely vulnerable in this role. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's a scary thing to do and a tricky one. So exactly. going back to the uh, to the Kep draft, which we've yeah. been sort of rolling through. Okay. Um, and 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 Nick, for 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 your reference, uh, David Kep is the credited screenwriter for Spider Man. However, mm. he wrote his draft that he wrote. He wrote two drafts. He wrote a draft based on the James Cameron outline, and then he did a a, a second draft. That is, you know, with the Green Goblin um, and that draft is the draft that he gets sole screenwriting credit for. However, three other screenwriters wrote after him, but they all chose to let him have full credit uh, in the uh, WGA arbitration. So, so it was, we're reading Kep's draft because Kep's draft actually doesn't have like all of the scenes are the same. But all of the details within the scene are completely different from the movie that we got. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, what we left what we when we last left off last week, uh, MJ uh, had walked away from Peter after saving him from his fight from Flash, oh. and uh, Peter said, "I was doing fine." And MJ says, "Sure, you were, Tiger." And then, as she walks away, she looks over at the car on the curb and looks heartsick. And it says, whoever's inside, he owns her heart. And we go inside the town car and we meet Harry Osborn, 17, uh, sitting in the back seat next to Norman Osborn, 50-ish. Harry has already inherited a lot from his father, a receding hairline, some disquieting facial tics, and presumably a fortune. Norman stares out the window, shaking his head. Harry says, anything wrong, Dad? You hardly said a word all the way from the house. Osborn says, you'll have to get dinner yourself tonight. I need to work. Uh, they, they say, if you talk about, uh, something that worries you, you take away its power. Osborne says, I was under the impression you asked me to give you a lift, not deliver a speech. And Harry says, sorry. Uh, and then Osborne says that, uh, I don't appreciate the amateur psychoanalysis. Maybe you should stop seeing Dr. Hirsch. You're starting to think you've got his degree. Harry says, is it the company? You know, you can tell me anything that's wrong. And Osborne's like, no, it's not the company. We're doing amazing. And then Harry says, then what? He's like, how many private academies have you been kicked out of? Has it sunk in for you yet that you're now attending public school? Are you aware of the ramifications of that? And Harry says that he likes it better. And Norman says, one day you'll inherit Oscorp. One day you will run my company, my grandfather's company. Since you asked Harry, Harry, that's what worries me. In fact, it terrifies me. You may have been given the name Osborne, but you haven't earned it. And then Harry gets out of the car. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I got to stop saying that too much. But yeah. And, uh, and, and. And rather than uh, joining up with Pete, Pete is uh, he's at the fountain cleaning off the blood from his fight with Flash. Yeah, Jeez, <laughs> and, how ham did they go? Oh, they um, they went H A M for sure. The uh, you, the first shot, the first shot of the movie is Peter's face getting punched by Flash. Mm. Um, you know, so the word obtuse comes to mind from what I've gathered from this draft. Obtuse. <laughs> Yeah, just super laid on, like thick, man, like peanut butter. Maybe this scene, but the the I think it's been an interesting script so far. I would love okay, to okay. one That's of these true. days I've read, only read it all the way through it. Yeah, it's actually uh, I would argue that it's more 
the I I I think it's more comic book accurate. Like I don't okay. think that this script is. I, we talked about this last week, but I don't think this is a good script for Sam Raimi. So mm, if Sam yeah. Raimi is directing this movie, this is not the script that he should be directing. Gotcha. Um, but but I do think that another director could have made a killer Spider-Man movie with this script. Does any do any Absolutely. come to mind? Oh. At the time, like I think that if David Fincher had directed this movie, I think that this would have worked for his script. However, oh, okay. he, he wouldn't end up doing it because he wanted to kill Gwen Stacy. That's what he wanted. He didn't want to do an origin story or anything like that. Um, yeah. In the first movie. To, yeah, yeah. He just wanted to start with Spider-Man already being Spider-Man dating Gwen and Gwen getting killed and Spider-Man being sad and an ending like that. Um, so seven. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it, instead of doing this, I think he went and directed Zodiac. So oh. I'm killing you so. Know. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, wow. Or yeah. Panic Man. Room? I forgot. Or was it Panic yeah. Room? Which Panic was Room first? came out in 2000. I th- Hold on. I'm going to look this up. It might have been Panic Room. Stuart Townsend was the first Aragorn. Yeah. That's I who it was. That eventually. Yeah. 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 2002. He, it, so Panic Room came out the same year as Spider Man. So. Two, months, two months before this movie. Okay, yeah. so he directed that instead. But yeah. but in any event, like I I think that <laughs> And then he tried uh, to get Zodiac made for like five years. Right. I, yeah. I just think I think that he would have had a better sensibility for this. Um plus I love the idea of like David David Finch David Fincher's uh Norman Osborne being played by uh Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> Harry, you Ke- Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey as Norman Osborn. Like if he hadn't played Lex Luthor, like he yeah. would be yeah. an amazing. If you're Norman going Osborn. to inherit my company, Harry. Right. You're gonna have to start mm-hmm. acting like an Osborn. Right. You know, <laughs> you know what's funny is he actually kind of played a basically the character you're talking about right now, like a Kevin Spacey Norman Osborn. Pretty much his character in the film Nine Lives. Oh, <laughs> he's a smarmy businessman that's like ashamed of his meek son. <laughs> who who has who has a uh, an alter ego as a as a, yeah. as a superhero yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a superhero a transformation as it were yeah uh, a transformation into an alter ego oh no um, I've been turned into a wee little puss <laughs> so so I need to point this out so yes. at the beginning of the scene <clears throat> Peter walks away uh, and is just like like rolls his eyes at himself for thinking mm-hmm. that MJ was waving at him. Walks past the car, and that's when we get the transition to the roles. And yeah. then when Harry, we have a thirty second scene with Harry and Norman, and then Harry gets out of the car and joins up with with Peter, who has apparently only walked five steps in thirty seconds. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe he was taking photos of something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's what I, I, that's what I got to assume was going on, but it's just He's really dwa- funny. Or maybe dawdling. he was so yeah. embarrassed that he was waiting to get like a lot of distance between him and MJ. <laughs> well, he starts walking past the car as we yeah. get the transition. Oh, okay. So, okay. I got yeah, you. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I don't know. Just funny. Just funny. Only the AD funny. knows the answer. Yeah. yeah. I do like that. Made. I do like that. Norman is still a father enough. That he comes and uh, oh, yeah, brings him yeah. his bag. Oh, you know? I don't. I, don't yeah. I, mean, I think it's just the magic of Willem Dafoe. But yeah. he somehow I, I, Norman is an incredibly charming mm-hmm. pater- and like paternal. I mean, I think the kindness that he extends towards Peter that we'll see tomorrow. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, we'll I, talk I just, more about we'll talk more about Willem tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. Good, good, yeah, good, good, good. Right. Sounds but, like a plan. Yeah, yeah, he is amazing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, my, I will say one behavioral bit I love here is in terms of just whistling past things that don't make too much sense, like him getting out of the car to give Harry his backpack and all that. Lovely and all that. I just Peter doesn't have a backpack. Nobody else really on the on the on the trip had a backpack. Why? Why? Why is Harry the only one who has this like backpack prop that has I've been to be that kid? I've been yeah. the kid that brought a backpack to a field trip and felt like a yeah. real shithead for the whole day. I, I saw. I saw a bunch of. There were a bunch of kids with uh with with backpacks. It's yeah. just that. I mean, the problem is that when you are you know costuming extras. Yeah. Your job is to, I mean, and you know this, Zach, like yeah, your job is out. to like make them all look diff visually different. So you can't yeah. make them look like a realistic class, which would no. be that everyone would have a backpack. Yeah. Like you know, can't look insane. Often right. it's people bringing their own stuff to set where they're like on the day before when they get called by central, they're like, uh, yeah, you're booked on this thing. And you also have to bring a book bag with you. And then you're like yelling at your roommates. Does anybody have like a high school, like book bag? I can, I got to shave right. so I don't look like I'm 30 and uh, I got to be on set tomorrow with a bag. I have right? a with a bag. Yeah. A backpack. I just love the idea that like, that, that Peter is the, the studious, you know, uh, guy who, it would make sense for him to have like a bag for his camera and his camera equipment and all that. But he's just, just hanging out in his hoodie, just standing there. Well, I feel and, like he probably yeah. left his bag on the bus, right? That makes more sense. Yeah. Did he have a yeah. bag last week or or is he not even here for class? Is he just here to cover, as we'll find out, just cover the, the field trip for the for school, the school paper. paper? Yeah, for the maybe school that's paper. it. Anyway, for right. a school paper? For the, uh, or, or maybe, maybe Harry... Because Harry, because Harry's going right to the uh, field trip right. itself. Right. Maybe the the bus was from the the high school or whatever, and his stuff's just back there. But because Harry has to arrive for the whole school day. <laughs> wait, 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 gonna... wait! Are you suggesting that Peter was running after the bus since the school? Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was coming from home. Yeah. He was coming from yeah. school. <laughs> hey, <laughs> wait up! I was already here. Come on. I also need to point out that Norman tucks his tie into his pants and I am not into it. Oh God. Why? Uh, yeah. Uh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Terrible. But it is such a dad weird thing. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before. Really? Yeah. I, I've seen it sometimes. I, it's just, it always like the, the thing is like they do it so that their tie doesn't poke out the because you only button the one button on the suit jacket and they don't want right. their tie poking out the bottom like, there the, the bottom of the suit so they they're the suit jacket so they they tuck it into their pants but the problem is like you don't normally see it because your suit is buttoned and right this isn't buttoned and so you see that it's tucked into his pants and it just looks it looks absurd yeah just let yeah. no one cares if the bottom of your tie it looks it's a good look i've seen that look on <laughs> thousands of actors on Thousands of articles of like Esquire. Like, where else yeah. is the tie supposed to go? Like, yeah, we people all know aren't going to be like, works. oh my god, there's a tie there at the bottom. You, you didn't ruin. Yeah. You don't. You're not ruining the illusion. Right. <laughs> well, anyway. maybe because he's a scientist, he is taken to tucking into his pants for safety, so it doesn't get caught and stuff. That's yeah, okay, like a I like that better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. um <laughs> all right. I think that. Uh, I think that wraps this up. You guys have any other notes for this minute? Not oh, for this not, minute. No. Nothing yeah. that can wait. Nothing that okay. can't wait. 
All right. Well, uh, if you can't wait to talk about Spider-Man some more, thanks for the transition, Nick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go check out the Spider-Man Minute listener group on Facebook uh, where, you know, we'll post Spider-Man news and discussion topics and all kinds of things. uh, And you can do that as well. So uh, join join our listener group on Facebook and uh, be up to date on what all the listeners are saying about uh, what we're doing and Spider-Man and all that good stuff. Uh, so go check that out. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 7. Thanks, guys.